You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. The show is brought to you by Conversa, a podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, generate content, and grow brand awareness. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest today is Cynthia Stevens. Cynthia is Vice President of Marketing at Advisor360, which is a tech company that builds, delivers, and implements technology for wealth management firms. Cynthia, it is great to have you on the show. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Really excited about the conversation today. All right, let's jump right into it. So our topic is creating great content aimed at enterprises. So let me start first with what's different about what's different and unique about creating content for enterprise clients or prospects compared to any other kind of prospect? Yeah, no, it's a great topic. I mean, I'm, I've worked in industries or companies where, you know, it was more of a small business approach and also ones where it was much more of an enterprise go to market. And although there's a lot of similarities, you, you know, when I sort of kind of really think about it, for me, there are three things that really set apart enterprise class storytelling from, you know, the content marketing and storytelling to maybe an SMB audience. So one is personalization. The second is perspective. And the third is really the partner ecosystem. And for me, those three areas, and I'm happy to kind of dive into them, yeah. I think are critical in really making sure that you just don't take a one-size-fits-all approach in when you're thinking about enterprise storytelling in particular. Okay. Let's break those down one by one. Start with the, with the first one you mentioned. So the enterprise class personalization, I think, is key. And actually, I think one of your other podcast guests Nava talked a little bit about this and said, you know, in enterprise, there are a lot of different people that you're influencing or trying to educate inside these companies. And I, yeah. I think that's, that's really true. I think it, it probably can't be overemphasized, you know, and, and sometimes in small businesses, that buying committee might be an individual or maybe you've got a couple of folks. But when you start to talk about enterprise, all of a sudden you really have very large buying committees and you've got, you know, people that are champions. You've got people that might be detractors. You've got people of varying roles inside the organizations. And so it's very important, I think, to start to not think about, mark, you know, your content as just a one size fits all. And so what does that mean? I think it means really, you know, really needing to create trust, build trust, and really speak from a very relatable, authentic, and, tr and trustworthy standpoint. And I think that requires you to really start to understand who these buyers are as people. Mm. Like in their role, maybe it's a CTO, maybe it's a CO. What's critical in that role, right? What's the personal pain that they have every day? What, are they, what keeps them up at night in that role? And that will vary a little bit from person to person. Mm. And so I think when you think about content, don't try to have one piece that's going to you know, magically speak to all five or 10 or however many people are in that buying committee. But how do you really start to make that relatable and much more tailored for you know, individuals or, or person inside that company? Okay. So, well, let's stick with that for a moment. How do you get to know about those people to the degree that you need to, to, to really, you know, make content that, that's effective? Yeah, and I think it's a great question. And honestly, it's hard, right, as marketers. How do, how do you do that? How do you build those relationships? Obviously, I think it's a combination of kind of in-person, right? Really getting to know people as people, which we got away from a little bit, right, during in these last few yeah. years. And had a lot of virtual interactions and didn't have a lot of in-person interactions or as many in-person interactions recently. 
So I think that's as true for marketing as it is for sales, right? Working together as a go-to-market unit. So I think hopefully we get back to a little bit more of that, you know, in person and really trying to get a sense of someone, you know, not just virtually, but in person. But then I think digitally, obviously, there are lots of ways like that you start to get buying signals and you start to get a sense of, you know, what topics and things people are researching, what topics, things people start to care about from a digital marketing perspective. And I Mm -hmm. think it all starts to kind of piece together to paint persona or profile of some of the folks that you're, you know, that you're wanting to kind of build these relationships with. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, if you're in sales, then you are going to have at least try to try to get one-on-one FaceTime meetings with prospects, right? Right. What about, what about marketing? Because I think that's kind of what we're talking about, right? The, The better as a marketer, you can get to know people in these buying groups, the better content you're going to create. Obviously, sales does this. Just to be clear, are you advocating that marketers should also pursue these opportunities to meet face to face? Well, I think I think, again, like, you know, there's a lot that's been sort of spoken about this, but I I think marketing and sales have to be in lockstep and I think they have to be in real alignment. And so, you know, I think I'm an advocate of thinking of things as more of a team approach. Mm -hmm. You know, what do we need? What like who are we trying to connect with? What's important to them? What matters to them? And so there's some areas there where maybe sales has a, a heavier lift in terms of some of those in-person meetings. But again, I think it depends in part on who your buyers are. Are you, you know, is one of your influencers or buyers a CMO? Is it someone in the marketing department? Mm-hmm. Is it, or is it in the CTO realm? So I think it's going to vary a little bit depending upon, you know, who those various people are inside yeah. that enterprise. You know, I've, I've been in businesses where, you know, I sold to the marketing, the marketing folks inside those companies. And I think, you know, obviously in that case, you know, how, why wouldn't marketing be building those in-person relationships in that particular case, right? With that, with those, with those folks. So it's going to vary a little bit, I think, obviously from industry to industry, but yeah, Yeah. I mean, I think we should think about it as much more of a team, team effort. Okay. And, and, and practically speaking, at least arguably that would mean marketing and sales doing this as a team. So there is a case for people coming from the marketing side of things to be part of part of those meetings, part of those, you know, in-person meetings? I think it could, I mean, I think there could be, again, I think it depends on that situation, right? Who's the audience? What's the, what's yeah. that market? I think it, from an external standpoint, I think internally within an organization, I think, you know, what, what I've sort of found is, or, you know, my, my approach would be to have a collective, I'll call it like pod, you know, a sales and marketing pod where you're thinking about an enterprise collectively brainstorming and thinking about how do we better understand this company, the people inside that company, the buyers, right? And how how do we problem solve and think through it together? Yeah, that seems like a no-brainer, right? Not every company does that, but it seems like it would be a good thing to do, you know? So let's talk about some examples then of, of what we've been talking about, namely creating content aimed at certain personas within enterprise-level buying groups. What are some examples of that? What are we really talking about? Yeah, so I think, you know, and, and there was a company that engaged you that now is part of Demandbase that I think had some infographics in, on this, you know, some years ago. And they sort of have this spectrum where there's this continuum of content and it goes from sort of very generic at one level all the way to almost custom at the other. Because I think the thing that most marketers will say is, well, how could you possibly have something personalized? How like there's not enough people on your team. How could you yeah. possibly create that, right? And so, 
So I think there's a little bit of an art and science to it, which is, first of all, you have to understand, again, the buyer and, and, you know, the topics and so forth. So, you know, can you personalize it, which is different than customizing, right? So customizing is a completely different bill every single time for whatever that is, the podcast, the article, the byline, the ebook, the webinar. I think personalizing or tailoring it means there are aspects that you might configure, but you don't necessarily have to start from scratch and like rip it apart and rebuild it. Mm. And so I think that's that's where you have to kind of really get that that mindset and that rhythm going, which is, okay, knowing who your personas are and knowing that you're going into something, thinking about the fact that you need to personalize it and tailor it. Well, like what are the level levers for that particular piece of content where you say, you know, I'm going to tweak this. This is the area that I'm going to configure slightly differently for this person. Because otherwise, right, you would need a massive size team in order to have completely custom content for everybody. So whether that's on the website, whether you're personalizing content on a website, maybe it's imagery, maybe it's a web copy, maybe it's web content, maybe it's the actual articles themselves. Like it's going to vary by channel, but I think you need to go into it with that strategy in mind and understand exactly how you start to be able to configure it and still have the volume and frequency that you need of interactions. Yeah. Okay. So it has to be sustainable and scalable. Definitely. Exactly. So the words that I use are repeatable, right? Repeatable, predictable, mm. and scalable because, you yeah, know, sure. ultimately you want to grow, right? You want to grow that, you want to grow the company. And so that's, we really have to go into it. I think thinking, is this, is this going to be workable for the long term, or is this just something I need to, I'm going to do now to kind of get it off the ground? Right. Something that has legs rather than just a one-off sort of special project. Exactly. And again, I think that's the hard part about tailoring content is I think people start to think about, well, if everything is custom, how in the world am I going to be able to do that? Right. So there's like a sweet spot between something that's completely bespoke and something that never changes. It's a right. a middle ground where and as... finding as, exactly that spot. Exactly. Yeah. So could, can you give us an example or two from some stuff that your team has worked on where you've had to make find that kind of sweet spot to appeal to a large group? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, depending upon the, the type of content. So an example of a type of content is a, a sort of a white paper, right, or a standard ebook or white paper. And some of what I've done in the past, again, is really think about, do I literally have different versions of that white paper? Um, I might even have somebody's name on the cover, right? So I'm customizing or personalizing, excuse me, right from the front on that cover. And then there are areas inside where I might, I might tweak how I'm talking about a particular, particular topic. And so I've taken a, you know, a piece of content and I've created kind of versions of that for different people. So it feels very personalized, but I didn't have to re- start from scratch. Yeah. Okay. And it would seem to me that the, the, point of all this is to to kind of trigger a response in the recipient of this content of oh this this is sort of yeah this is like a unique thing for me right that it feels very much aligned with that person's interests and the things that motivate yeah you want to get that relevant message to somebody at the right time right mm-hmm. to make that make that deeper connection to really start to engage somebody and have a little bit more of the, you know, a little bit more of a, you know, if not a dialogue or conversation, at least, at least an interaction. And so really making sure that, again, you're tailoring that, that it feels relevant for them. It has to be authentic. It has to feel very genuine yeah. and it has to be, and I, I come back to authentic, but I think 
you really want to make that establish that connection and then, you know, use that information about, okay, well, that that really seemed to resonate and to keep Mm -hmm. it going, right, to keep those interactions going. Because for enterprise, typically enterprise storytelling, very often you're not talking about deals that close in a a week or a day or a month or, you know, six weeks. So very often these interactions need to take place over typically what would be a longer period of time than if you're talking about like an SMB business. Yeah. Right. So you really have to sustain and nurture a relationship with someone. Exactly. Right. So, you know, in, in many of the enterprise businesses I've been in versus the SMB, you know, marketing might, you know, you might be closing a deal within 90 days, but very often in enterprise, it's a much longer cycle. So I think you, you want to, to your point, you really want to sustain that discussion over time. And so that's where I think for me, the second thing that I think makes it really critical and is unique is pers- what I call perspective, mm-hmm. enterprise class perspective. And I sort of view this as, you know, we've talked a lot about what I call like owned content, but I really view that perspective as bringing in, a, bringing in experts, bringing in other folks from outside the, to provide their viewpoint, right? And that, that you're quarterbacking the, the sort of thought leadership and you're curating content mm-hmm. from other, other people. And so I think that also keeps it fresh. I think, think mm-hmm. that keeps that owned content that we were largely talking about initially really helps keep that fresh. And frankly, you know, and oftentimes also I find in enterprise companies, you're, you're typically engaging a fairly senior level folks inside yeah. these organizations. I think they value, you know, these outside perspectives from other industries, you mm-hmm. know, from other, other experts in other spaces and are looking to be educated. I think Navid talked about that in one of your other guests as well, mm-hmm. how important education is. And so for me, that perspective ties together and being that quarterback ties together, bringing in that outside perspective to help educate buyers again, perhaps over a longer period of time. Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and if I'm hearing you correctly, it's not just giving any old outside perspective, but doing it in a, in a particular way. I mean, I like what you mm-hmm. mentioned about you know, bringing in people out, experts from outside your company, right? To to help you create content that brings in a multitude of viewpoints and is Absolutely. more objective than it might otherwise be. And that's Absolutely. so interesting. I mean, I think that's 100% right. And that's kind of like a, a, a business, like a marketing team acting almost more like journalists or... Or you know what I mean? Or like, yeah, um, so what? But I know that that that. Um, no, no, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's a that's a bad thing. I'm just sort of noting no. it, that it's like in a positive way. That's like, you know, the kind of storytelling that like you know that a journalist might do. More like, and so we're actually launching a newsletter in the next week or two. And a big piece of that is for us to curate, I'll call it curate a quarterback perspectives. And so we've we've reached out to folks. We're going to have perspectives from outside our company. Mm-hmm. You know, from three or four people from outside the company and every newsletter is going to kind of feature every issue of the newsletter is going to feature those voices from outside the company. But we'll be kind of, if you will, the that kind of managing editor, right? We open up yeah. the magazine on the inside cover. Here's the, here's who you're going to hear about. And here's what the topic is. And, you know, the person that kind of sets that tone and creates that voice. And so we'll be, you know, we'll be playing that role. And obviously we're picking the topics and we're going to use that as a way to kind of, you know, bring together those perspectives and help educate, in this case, the enterprise buyer in a somewhat different way than just having purely owned content. And I mm-hmm. found, frankly, throughout my career that that combination of owned or earned and, and curated content, there's a sweet spot there, but you, you can't really probably do it all yourself anyway as a marketing team. Sure. 
right? But there's really good things that come when you can bring in those outside perspectives. And and, and there's just real value there, right? It, it's just because the the more perspectives, the better. I mean, I th- and I think it just makes you look good. It make it's it's just a good look for a company that they're like, you know, from the reader's perspective of that content, you're like, wow, they really went to some lengths to put this thing together. Like it's, they talked to five different people and did some research and really, and I think that comes through when you put that kind of work into a piece of content. I think people see it and acknowledge it. And again, just going back to your last guest, but it was fresh in my mind is that you said, why is sort of education a sort of a dirty word right now? But educating people, I think is really, it's still so valuable, right? Because you're not necessarily selling you're you're really trying to inform and be out there as a thought leader in the space and it doesn't always have to be about beating a drum about your your own whatever it is your own platform your something you are doing that but you're doing it in a more sophisticated way by by bringing in that expert voice choosing topics that align to your value proposition and your positioning as a company and so i think that for me is kind of that second thing there and i think you know, is really key. And, and obviously we're going to, we're going to embark on that in one way here, a small way in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. By launching your newsletter. By launching that. And again, bringing in that outside perspective. Yeah. 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 Oh, I, that, that's great. I think that's a really good strategy. Yeah. For all kinds of reasons. Well, so what's your advice then for marketing teams that, that are, you know, maybe starting to sell at the enterprise level and they're going to, deal have to deal with these complexities what's the main takeaway no i mean i think it's really kind of thinking about the taking the time to develop the strategy up front Mm. and making sure that that's going to align with your buyers right because depending upon that situation and again i would say really thinking about based on what we just talked about not not just what what you own and what you're gonna create but how do you think about that more holistically The, the the third piece which which I mentioned up front, right? So we have personalization, we have perspective, but it's really partners. And so if you take pers- you take perspective slightly, you know, slightly farther and you start to kind of bring in and work with other companies in your industry that are complementary, that's another way that I think that part of that strategy is to really think about, think about your partner marketing ecosystem. Think about ways that you could kind of help build and leverage a community of these complementary firms right? Where they're offering complimentary services to your, you know, to your audience and really help use that as a way to create thought leadership and, and, and fan brand awareness. And so we we're also launching something again in the next few weeks, a really more of a true program around that. And so for me, I think the advice is to, to think, think a little bit bigger than just, again, your own content and, and think about other people in the industry and how you can tap into them for perspectives or for broader co-marketing purposes. And, you know, for me, it's always a win-win and you get one and one equals five, right? Not two. Mm-hmm. And that, and that I think is something that too often, I think people perhaps don't, don't do. Yeah. I mean, I think in my, in my view, thought leadership only really works the way that it's usually intended to when it's doing something new, has something somewhat original to say. And that's not easy to do. You know, either you have access to data that's, you know, proprietary data, which is always good. But there's also talking to like experts, outside experts isn't is kind of another form of data in a way. You know, it's another perspective, another 
person's way of articulating and thinking through a problem. And right, and maybe someone who's done it before, right? If you're the yeah. CEO or the CTO, gosh, wouldn't you wouldn't you want to hear from a CTO or CEO in another industry that's had a similar faced a similar issue, faced a similar problem? How did he or she deal with it? Right. Let me, you know, let 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 me learn from that. Let me see if there are some lessons from that. I mean, I yeah. you know, I think I think particularly in our space, I think we find there's a high high interest in continuing education for our for financial advisors in particular. But then also, I think when you get to the executive levels inside companies, yeah, I mean, they're going through a huge digital transformation yeah. in the financial services space, which in some ways is a little bit behind digital transformation, right? That's already taking place mm-hmm. in other industries. And so, in this particular case, right, why wouldn't you then look to successes or maybe pitfalls in how have other large companies digitally transformed themselves, right? Why wouldn't you look to some some of that from outside the space as a way to start informing your own, you know, your own next steps or your own strategy? And so I think in part as different industries and folks are kind of going through, going through things at a different pace, there's absolutely yeah. kind of learnings to take from, from other experts in, in different, different areas. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good example of the type of content that takes more time and and energy to create. There's just more moving parts, right? You're fine. You have to find subject matter experts, right? Interview them. You have to be good at interviewing, and then take the interview and turn it into, you know, like the skills that journalists have, like finding right. the right quotes and all that. Right. That takes time and effort, right? And but again, I think our point here is that part of our point is that it's worth it. Because of the impact overall, that if you do a good job with that, it can right. have a lot, be- a much stronger impact than stuff that comes across more as marketing or more as just like your your own opinion. Right, it's just coming from a, a marketer, and like I think a lot of you guests have said, like there's a, a ton of content out there, right? So everybody's trying to buy for someone's attention, and so yeah. whether it's through podcast format, whether it's through a blog format, right? They're all different forms of content, but. Everybody's trying to buy for a buyer's attention. And so to, to stand out, get someone's attention and do it in, a, in an authentic way, in a way that you want to, frankly, build trust to keep them coming back to say, well, that was really interesting. I'll, I'll you know, I want to, I want to consume the next content, yeah. whatever that might be. That's, that's an art form. And I think you don't get too many chances, I think, to be in front of, in yeah. any industry or any, in front of buyers, right? With something that doesn't engage them. And then, gosh, are they going to come back the next time? Maybe, maybe not. But but you certainly have a better chance of them coming back next time if the content is really compelling for them, obviously, right? right? And and so therefore, there's a very strong case to be made for taking more time with a piece of content to really craft it in a way that's above and beyond a little bit. You know, it's it's there's a balance, obviously. Like like you said earlier, you have still have to have scale enough scale to have it be sustainable and find that sweet spot where. It's at scale, but you're also able to put enough time into it to raise the content to a level that stands out. You need to develop, you need, you need to kind of identify and develop in account insights to create personalized interactions that you can then repeat and be predictable and scale over time. And that's, that's challenging, but that's yeah. also hugely, hugely rewarding for marketers. And I think and that's part of a, it's a good challenge. It's a good challenge. Hey, it's an intriguing puzzle to to work on, right? And it's part of what makes marketing fun. Exactly. Well, we've covered a lot of a lot of ground. I feel like we could just keep going, but 
you know, you might have some other things to do with your day. So I'm just going to ask one more question and that's how can people get in, get in touch with you? Oh, sure. So I'm um, available on LinkedIn and also my email here is just cstevens at advisor360.com. Okay. Very cool. We'll put a link to your LinkedIn page in our show notes. Okay. And uh, well, Cynthia, thank you for a really, really stimulating conversation. I enjoyed it. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-Versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.